Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We're your guests, Patrick Trainer and Christian Peters. And we're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 211. Patrick Trainer is the CEO of Skim Reaper and the Dasberg Family Preeminent Chair in Engineering in the Department of Computer and Information Science and Engineering at the University of Florida. Christian Peters is the CTO of Skim Reaper and a PhD student in the Department of Computer and Information Science and Engineering at the University of Florida. So thank you, Patrick and Christian, for coming on to our podcast. Um, and so before we jump into Skim Reaper and, and all that stuff is what, what more stuff do we know, need to know about you? Any interesting tidbits, hobbies, stuff like that? Uh, I'm a uh, former metal musician from Pennsylvania turned a uh, computer engineer. Uh, so my background ended up being going from that over to, you know, working on electronics and all things like that. So Steven's moving his webcam to show his amplifier back there. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say my, my interests are uh, significantly less metal. Uh, I am an ultra, <laughs> an ultra runner, an ultra marathoner. So I like running uh, you know, distances beyond 26.2 miles for some reason. What's the farthest you've run so far? Uh, in December, I finished my first 50-mile race. So is that called like a double marathon or? <laughs> no, just it's a 50-miler. But oh, just 50-miler. It, it's pretty weird when you get to t- when you get to you know one marathon. You go great, only one marathon left. <laughs> <laughs> Plus a little bit. Yeah, right? it's no big deal. I think that's 49 more miles than I've ever run <laughs> in your entire life. And <laughs> the whole my whole life. <laughs> I tried to do uh, couch to 5K once, and uh, I almost got there, and then I got the he worst. got to shins- the couch part. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's like halfway there, guys. <laughs> so, okay. Okay, Patrick and Christian, what is Skim Reaper? So the Skim Reaper is a credit card skimmer detector, and it's roughly the size and shape of a credit card, so you can carry it around and put it into the card slot before you'd put your own card in. So uh, so you could detect, uh, I guess, nefarious uh, uh, card reading devices in, in like, what, what are the applications? Like, where do we see these? Yeah, so it, it turns out that card skimming is pretty easy. And the, the goal here is to make uh, a copy of your card. And so what we find in most cases is that the bad guys add a second read head in place. So what the Skim Reaper does at a high level is it figures out when you put that card into the slot, how many times is it being read? And so you can think about a traditional swipe reader. That's the kind of reader that you would get at a cash register, right? So think just, you know, one swipe from top to bottom. Uh, it should only be read once. If a skimmer is in place, it's going to be read twice. That lets the bad guy get a copy and for your transaction to go through so that you don't suspect anything uh, malicious is happening. If you're using a dip reader, that's what you do at an ATM or at a gas pump. You put the card in and it's red going in and it's red coming out. So it should, in the benign case, be read uh, twice in the dip reader and in the malicious case, uh, four times. How do these skimmers uh, in, install this second head and how, do they, how are they like gathering this information? So the only thing that limits these folks is really their own creativity. And we see skimmers in really all shapes, sizes, and form factors. So really the only sort of necessary precondition for being at risk of skimming is taking a payment card. Right, so if you have, um, let's say, a, a device inside a, a shop or it's an ATM, what they'll often do is um, they'll provide a, an overlay. So they'll go buy some spare parts on eBay, they'll hollow it out and put their equipment, they'll line the inside uh, of this additional overlay, and then they'll li- literally overlay it on top of the, the thing that's supposed to be there. Now, those are the ones that, you know, if you take the common advice, you're supposed to tug on the card reader or wiggle it, that uh, that you're somehow going to find this thing. Uh, the other ones that are really scary are called deep inserts. And what they do here is they look at something like a, a dip reader, and they will go and figure out the dimensions of the internals. Then they will custom cut a piece of metal or plastic and then slide this deep insert skimmer 
inside the, inside the card slot. So there's nothing to see, there's nothing to feel. Uh, it's just a, essentially a battery and um, some minimal processing components right there in the card slot, uh, and there's nothing you can do about it. Hmm. So what about this move to go to a chip for a... Because I've actually seen this pop up a couple times in here in Houston for pumps, for gasoline pumps, which is where most people get their their credit card skimmed. Um, the, some of them are starting to move the chips. Does this help prevent that? Yeah, not really. And, and the reason why <laughs> is because the, what I want your, uh, to encourage your audience to do is take out any of your credit cards from your wallet and flip them over. And even if you have a chip on the front, you're going to have a, a magnetic stripe on the back. And that's because the magnetic stripe is the fallback. Right? When things go wrong, when, when your chip gets dirty, uh, what, is the, what does the payment unit tell you to do? All right, go ahead and swipe the card. So it's nice that you have the chip there, but while you might be putting it in and, and while the chip might be, be being read, that magnetic stripe is still there and the bad guys can pick it up. Fun thing to add to that too, uh, a lot of the gas pumps that actually have the chip read logo on there actually don't read the chip. They're just using it to help you know which way to actually orient your card when inserting it. They actually aren't, they're just taking the magnetic stripe. So it's not reading the chip at all. Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of security theater that goes on in this space where, you know, it, it suggests that it might be using the chip. But if you're dipping the card and pulling it back out quickly, you're definitely not using the chip. So what's behind the name Skim Reaper? Because <laughs> so when we first saw this at Macrofab, we thought we were actually like producing devices to skim cards. <laughs> so we want to make it really clear. We, we're not we're not making skimmers. Um it's funny, we, we've looked at SEC filings from the ATM industry, and, and they claim losses of north of $2 billion a year because of skimmers. Uh, you know, there are enough bad guys out there making these. There's certainly money to be made uh, on that side, but, uh, you know, there are enough bad guys out there. And so, no, uh, we're trying to find devices to stop that kind of thing from happening. Uh, we got really lucky, to be honest with you. Uh, we happened to meet some detectives in the NYPD's Financial Crimes Task Force. And we'd been working on prototypes and, um, you know, helping to create devices that we thought would work. And we said, listen, you know, would you ever have us come up? You know, could we come visit you, check out what skimmers you have and maybe do a ride along? Um, and they said, yeah, sure. No problem. So we went up and spent about four days um, in Brooklyn. How many donuts did you get to eat? None. None. It was a very, very healthy, uh, very healthy division. Um, uh, so at least we weren't offered any. Uh, but they were fantastic. I mean, they had boxes and boxes full of skimmers of every shape and size. Uh, again, some were, you know, traditional overlays for ATMs. Um, if you've ever been to New York or major city, you know that sometimes to get into the, the room where they have ATMs, they have a, a credit card swipe uh, on the door. There were skimmers for the door. Uh, we, we got to see skimmers that, um, they would fit over the, the units inside, uh, like a gas station or that you use to pay at a, a big box store. So, you know, when people give you that advice, hey, just just go inside and, and run your credit card in there, you get skimmed there too. Uh, it's it's not good advice. So so we were lucky and, and they um, they brought us up there and uh, we had four days to see how the pros did it. And it, it turned out that, you know, if you are fortunate and you can have full-time detectives who have lots and lots of training, um, you have a chance, but even with four or five dedicated detectives, New York is a massive place. Uh, and what we realized is that, you know, we needed something that anybody could use, uh, that uh, any vendor um, who couldn't necessarily spend thousands of dollars, you know, tens of hours training an employee who might turn over, uh, they need a tool uh, that can help them figure out if they have a, a skimmer or not. Mm hmm. So how did you and uh, Patrick and Christian start? What was the beginning of this this endeavor? So this happened, this is Patrick, by the way. Um, this happened um, mostly out of shame and revenge. Uh, and what I mean by that is that... Um, oh, so you're, you're telling me you're like the Batman of anti-skimming. <laughs> uh, sure, I'll take that. More I'll or take less. That. Yeah, so he's not uh, the anti-skimmer we need. He's the anti-skimmer we deserve. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, listen, I had my credit card stolen six times in three years, and I wasn't doing anything special or dangerous. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to crazy places. I, you know, I travel. Um, 
and I was being ripped off at big box stores, at gas pumps, uh, you know, everywhere credit cards are taken. And it was kind of embarrassing, right? I'm a, a full professor at the University of Florida. I run a cybersecurity program. Uh, I'm supposed to be good at this. And yet, uh, something was going wrong. Um, and when you talk to the academic side of the house, lots of people think like credit card uh, scams, credit card skimming, this is all a solved problem. But when you talk to anybody who takes payments or law enforcement, they're pulling their hair out about this because you know, they're getting hit all the time. And it's not just loss of money, it's damage to the brand that really hurts. I mean, how many of you want to go back to the store where you're pretty sure you got ripped off, even if it's a brand that you like or trust? Oh, I refuse to use an Exxon here in Houston because I've got skimmed twice there. <laughs> yeah, there, there are certainly um, you know gas stations. There's even a big box store in town that I won't go to because uh, my wife got hit at their ATM. Uh, they had an ATM on-prem. Um, they don't own that ATM. They don't monitor that ATM. But we got ripped off at that ATM. We don't shop there anymore. So, you know, the loss to that to that big box company, a big box store was, uh, you know, nothing, right? Except for all future purpose, uh, purchases that we're not going to make there. So that, you know, that uh, frustration is really what fueled us. And, um, you know, we started off by trying to find uh, skimmers anywhere we could. And it's kind of funny because, you know, we'd reach out to law enforcement initially and they'd say, who are you and why do you want to see the skimmers that we have? They're kind of like you guys who thought, are you making skimmers? Um, and so, you know, we had to develop relationships uh, with these folks so that they would trust us to even look at these things and to build our prototypes. And again, we're extremely grateful to the NYPD's Financial Crimes Task Force. They absolutely gave us our break and um, helped us uh, take our proof of concept and, and show that it actually worked. You know, out of curiosity, have you uh, found any skimmers in the wild yourself? So not us personally, but the, the cool thing about this is that th this all blew up um, in the Associated Press, um, I guess back in May of 2017. Um, and they, they did this article with us and then they said, okay, well, um, we're going to wait um, and see if the NYPD finds something. Uh, NYPD uh, actually um, found a skimmer on an ATM. Then they actually per uh, performed a stakeout, and they were able to wait until the person who placed it came back to remove it. And so they were able to make an arrest uh, and conviction uh, using our device. So uh, more importantly than us finding a skimmer, I mean, we've got you know hundreds of them here in the lab, uh, Somebody who's actually out there trying to stop the bad guys was able to do it and get uh, a prosecution from it. So I, this is kind of a side, side tangent is, do you ever worry that all those hundreds of skimmers are like skimming your stuff right now? <laughs> no, we, we, we know pretty well how they work. Um, <laughs> and we've we've damaged many of them um, intentionally. Oh yeah, I've dissected most of those and have wires attached to a bunch of them, you know, try to dump all the memory on them and stuff like that, so. You know, they're they're pretty much non-operational. Hopefully, fingers crossed. You, you, that was a question I was going to ask about that. Like, how? I mean, obviously, this podcast isn't about how the skimmers work, but I I, I was I guess whoever implants them comes back later and and gets them. But have you ever seen any uh, more advanced versions that they don't have to extract it to get the data? Yeah, we have. We've uh, they actually they keep getting more and more advanced. So. You know, originally a lot of these older ones, they'll have to come back and either like take take it out, you know, use serial or USB to get the data off of the memory. But, you know, there's been a switch over the past few years that they've started to use Bluetooth. And, you know, that still is not great because you still have to come back and be kind of close to it, you know, sitting at least like in the parking lot or at like next door trying to like on your laptop trying to get all the credit card data. But what's really concerning is now you're seeing a lot of cellular based ones. So that's super easy to just put that in, go and never come back and be anywhere in the world. And this thing with a burner SIM card in it is sending you credit card information via text message as people are using this thing. And those are the ones to really be concerned about. So before we jump into that, uh, so Christian, how did you get involved into the project? Uh, so I got involved by being totally fed up with uh, the snow in Pennsylvania and applying to go to grad school in Florida. So that was the initial first step. Uh, 
But after that, uh, once I, you know, came down to Florida uh, to start working with Patrick, um, he had this idea kind of before I had already got here. And then I was one of his first uh, hardware engineering uh, oriented students. And then when I got here, he kind of told me the idea and I was I loved it. I had been skimmed many a times and I was all in for that. And, you know, kind of going off of like his initial like ideas and, you know, try me trying to like m play with different, you know, concept idea like models and early prototypes and, you know, like acid washing PCBs by hand myself. Eventually we got something that, you know, it was really cool. It was kind of just like the best of our, the two of our ideas and another student in the lab who uh, has since graduated and kind of just this all came together and this really cool project happened. I, so um, I guess before we start jumping into like the hardware for Skim Reaper and how that works is probably explain a bit more about how like skimmers actually fundamentally work and then how does because you said something about earlier about reading your chip twice or whatever or your uh, your your um, scan uh, the stripe yeah stripe yes yeah, twice um, but then how do you detect that because that's kind of a passive thing so how do you detect kind of a passive thing happening yeah so that was actually kind of quite challenging uh, at first because you know you'd think this is kind of like a yeah, guys were saying this is passive you know in theory this is just a magnetic field that kind of happens like with your card but really what it is is on the back of your magnetic stripe card is just this strip of really weakly polarized magnetic material and on that is just like a bunch of ones and zeros that make up your credit card number uh so what's happening is there's basically when when you have to get your card read because of how weak that material actually is the magnetic field the read head has to touch it because if it's you know coming off of it the further it is away the more likely it is that you're going to have a bad read and someone's going to be putting their card in there over and over again and then just get fed up and leave. So touching it is a must. So what well, we kind of took advantage of that and the design that we have basically works like a continuity meter. So when it's going through, it'll actually send a small voltage that'll then go through the casing on the metal like metallic read head, which we also take advantage of that property because it has to be metallic. Uh, in order for it to actually induce the magnetic field and get that current. So we send a small like current through there and measure it. And it actually it bridges the connection on the PCB. And then by doing that, it signifies that it got read. And surprisingly enough, like after playing with this enough, we got this to even work on some of the smallest read heads that they make, which are about 1.5 millimeter in diameter, which are pretty small. Does uh, Does your device in any way... Uh, cause issues with the readers or do they throw an error? Yeah, we made sure of that. Uh, so uh, occasionally if it's actually trying to read the data, it'll so like more advanced machines will say like error couldn't read data, but it doesn't actually like damage anything or anything. It's a very small voltage. So nothing like that happens. We, I definitely tested that pretty thoroughly before uh, we actually brought that to a product. That was definitely a huge concern at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, I would guess a, a a machine like a card reader, you know, could handle some ESD. So yeah, they're pretty heavily grounded. So it's there. I have yet to find one that has a problem with it. Well, I, I guess I was wondering if they had security features that would say, "Hey, you're trying to do something to me." Oh yeah, well there are actually ones that. Uh, so recently, this was a thing that uh, had happened. One of our the people that we're working with right now that uh, has purchased a few of the production Skim Reaper units from us. Uh, they're trying to use them with ATM machines that a lot of banks have that have that feature where you know it does it has a latch that when you put your card near it, uh, it'll open up and then it'll take your card. So you know we don't have the magnetic stripe card on there, so it wasn't opening originally for them. So they're like, okay, well can you do something for us? So I kind of went back and found some magnetic tape that you, you could purchase online. And we now are adding that to the skim reapers. So that way you can actually open those doors even, and it can get in there and actually check for skimmers, even if it has features like that. So the hardware itself, um, like it's, it, you know, everyone knows a credit card is really thin and, and, how do you get all your electronics to kind of work with that? Is it the, the, do you have all your electronics, I guess, on the outside of the board when it goes in? 
So it's actually, yeah, that's kind of how we have it right now is that it's actually all in the top left corner and we've actually extended the PCB longer than a traditional credit card. So what that allows us to do is we can use it with both dip and swipe style readers because those are the two pretty much that are everything. So the swipe is like the kind you find in like, you know, a store or like anywhere like that. And then the dip is the kind you're seeing at the gas stations where you actually insert it and then pull it out. So by putting it all in the top left corner, that allows us to do like evaluate both readers and it can, we have a mode switch on there too. So you can switch between the two. We actually refer to it as the backpack because it, it, it that's basically where it sits on the card. So uh, internally we call it the backpack. So the part you're inserting is actually FR4 PCB material, right? Yep. It's just the, uh, about the same thickness as a credit card. You know, just, just to be fully nerdy, I actually have a, uh, a, a dial indicator on my desk right here, and I pulled out a credit card uh, and and just measured it. And it's uh, let's see here, it's a it's about thirty two uh, thousandths, uh, somewhere in that range. So you're you're having uh, PCBs manufactured at that thickness? Yeah, uh, Macrofab's able to do that for us. Uh, basically, we're able to get uh, pretty thin boards. Uh, one of the interesting things that you know came up with that originally when we were first designing it was the concern that you know maybe this is almost too thin where it's not going to be rigid enough to actually go through the reader but this is actually the perfect thickness and it is exactly that of a credit card we've can we actually compared these to like the iso standards for credit cards and everything like that to make sure it was well within the range of tolerances and all that and yeah it actually is that's, that's actually why would be interesting what is the tolerance of a credit card yeah, it's. I believe it. I'm. Try, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember off the top of my head. I but, think you get ten um, percent. Yeah, there is an ISO standard for it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm and, searching on Google right now, and I'm. I'm really like, like this might flag me. You know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is my concern all the time. Is my search history is super incriminating with that. Just, it looks. It's How do anyone. credit card machines work? Oh, man, <laughs> yeah. listen, we, we have so many searches for, yeah. you know, for spare parts, for ATMs. And again, we're the good guys. We're, we're just trying to make sure it works um, in every yeah. possible device. We I've can looked throw through it in. so many user manuals for these ATM machines with like exact specifications of like the card reader and everything. It, it, yeah, it, I, I hope no one ever sees that search history. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, uh, for us manufacturing PCBs or getting someone who could help us manufacture PCBs at this thickness was really a challenge. Um, so we talked to a lot of people when, um, so back to what I mentioned earlier, when we, this, so this blew up in the Associated Press and um, the university was tracking this. And at the time, the original story got something like 550 million press impressions. So um, you can imagine over the course of, uh, you know, two weeks, I think we got something like 2,500 phone calls uh, and we got uh, thousands and thousands of emails. It turns out that everybody's getting ripped off and everybody hates skimming. Um, and as Christian said, he, you know, he was acid washing PCBs and, uh, you know, we, we were laser cutting stuff and, uh, it, you know, we just, it took us 10 to 15 hours to make a single device. Uh, and we realized we didn't have, uh, there, there was demand. Uh, and we didn't have anywhere close to the ability to actually meet that demand. And so going out, you know, talking to, we'd, we'd never professionally manufactured hardware before. Who can help us do this? I mean, we probably had 15 phone calls uh, and at least twice that many emails just just trying to find someone who could help us, and, and Macrofat was great. Uh, they, we very quickly figured out that they were the um, kind of the one-stop shop for us. So actually, let's go into that a little bit. Um, so going from acid wash PCBs to a manufactured product, it's quite a process. Oh, yeah. That was something else. That was a whole journey for me, like especially just because – so the most that I had done was all throughout college for me. You know, I was playing with like, you know, Arduino projects and stuff like that and like breadboarding things, but I had never – made a product like that this was the first time for me doing that and this was a totally different experience for me there were so many things that like i had never thought of that are come totally different from just like you know building your own little prototype to actually making something that's like a product 
it, it's they're worlds apart and it's there's so many other things you have to be like thinking about like you know it, how is this going to be used how are other people going to use this not just myself and you know how are you going to make this in a way that someone isn't just going to like destroy it or break it right away these were like all things that like I never had to think about before. So it was funny when we were up with the NYPD. If you if you look back at any of the original, um, you know, press uh, releases, or I think our uh, I think our LinkedIn page still has one of the original devices. We had this 3D printed box, and you know, 3D printing can only be so beautiful, right? Uh, and it had an um, an LCD screen, and then it had a cable and a USB attachment to the card. And we just love this thing. And we're lab guys, right? So we're treating this thing with the utmost reverence. It's, you know, it's got a case. We treat it gently. And, um, and then we, we gave it to the NYPD and we saw how they used it. And, you know, that, I mean, they were pulling on the cord. And I remember after the first night that we gave to the, uh, gave it to the guys, Christian and I had to find a, a Home Depot in Manhattan. Uh, because we needed Gorilla Glue and uh, electrical tape to put it back together. And we, we've, uh, we figured out pretty quickly the thing that we built was great for the lab guys, uh, but it was never, if people were going to use this, it was never going to um, withstand, uh, you know, normal use. And so um, after the, the AP story hit, we kind of went back to the drawing board and we talked to the, you know, the 20 or so people who had an original one and we refactored everything. So there was no more cable. We created this backpack where, uh, you know, we had to put all the logic inside. It turned out what we thought was helpful, this LCD screen, uh, that was helpful for us. Nobody wanted to read, uh, you know, the details. They just wanted, you know, a, a red light for bad, if there's a problem, and, you know, some other color, we went with blue, because I'm red-green colorblind, uh, blue for th everything's okay. So we Go, I mean, no go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, you know, the people who are using this can put whatever process they have in place. Okay, so you found a skimmer. Now, you know, shut down the ATM. The, the question in the past, so we, we talked with a lot of, say, big box uh, stores, and uh, the state of the art before this was they'd give their employees a ruler, and they'd say, listen, if the, if the card reader is one-eighth of an inch longer than it's supposed to be, then you have a skimmer and you should notify us. Well, I don't think any of us have ever been to a big box store where every register is open. Right, so the folks who are working there, you know, they're working hard. They they don't necessarily have time to go around and carefully measure within an eighth of an inch every single payment terminal, and so they weren't finding many. By you know creating a tool that's robust that um, that gives a go no go, then they can say, all right, now we're going to shut this down. Now we're going to call the police. Uh, if you have an ATM, you know, now we're going to call out the the vendor who will go inside and look. And before it was kind of like. You know, we think we have something, but we don't know. And, you know, the service company who does this, it's going to be two days before they can come out. So do we shut down the ATM uh, with the suspicion that there's a problem and lose business? Or do we leave it open because we can't be certain? And our goal is to, you know, bridge that gap and let them then do what they need to. So the device, is it really just that easy? You turn it on, stick it in, and an LED tells you yes or no? Yeah, that's really all it is. Basically, you just turn it on, press the press a button to start detection, insert it, remove it like you would a normal credit card, and just press the button one more time, and it'll tell you. It's really we try to keep it as simple as possible. Even like going off what Patrick said before, when we brought this prototype to the NYPD, I had the LED, like the LCD screen on it, even saying like the potential uh, skimmer is like on the right side or on the left side, and they didn't care where it was like it didn't matter if, either way you're opening the thing up and taking the reader out so i mean it's we try to make it as simple and straightforward as possible and even when we sell the product we include like a little like quick reference guide that says like okay if all three lights are on you are in the menu like press the button again and you'll be actually like you can start looking for skimmers yeah and that, that this was a big goal of ours again we're, we're lab guys and so we can take 80 hours of training uh, you at, you want all the debug information right there. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love that kind of stuff, right? That's what we live for. It turns out normal people don't want to see that. Uh, they just don't want It's right. I mean, you know, we've got long headers enabled on our email and uh, most people get frightened by that kind of stuff. And, and that's okay, right? That's okay. And so, um, you know, it, this was sort of two plus years in development and there are a lot of technical details on how you get this right and you make it robust. 
um, how you make it durable. Uh, but at the end of the day, we want a five-minute training program where anybody, right, they start their first day, they might be making, you know, uh, $10, $15 an hour on the first day. Hey, here's the Skim Reaper. Here's how you use it. I want you to show me using it. Great. You're now trained and you can be part of you know, our efforts to fight back against skimmers. So speaking of that, you said it's really easy to use, but it took two years of development. Um, and so it was, it was hard to develop. It's easy to use. So bridging that gap is engineering, right? So what kind of roadblocks did y'all run into in that two years of developing this pro this product? Well, it's the, the biggest roadblock I think for like that I ran into when I was kind of like making all these different prototypes and everything like that is just something that was a one, just worked on all types of readers and it worked all the time and was consistent. The, the problem is that, these readers and like the read heads inside and even a lot of the skimmers that I was saying before use these read heads that are like one and a half millimeters in diameter. It's so precise. Like even the ISO standard for where the magnetic trait like traces should line up because that magnetic stripe on the back of your card, there's three separate data traces on there and each one has a specific width to it. And, you know, not all readers read all three of those traces and it's things like that that it's just these little, the little things really kind of add up. And it's just making sure that the actual product is just everything that someone could ask for and that it just fulfills every single need for them and that it doesn't miss a step, uh, especially for what we're dealing with. You know, it's if someone comes to us and says, look, we used your product and it didn't work and there was a skimmer in there. We found out weeks later. That's that's terrible. That's we don't want that to happen. So we spent quite a lot of time just kind of trying to make this perfect product that can just detect all of these, like these skimmers that are in there. Yeah, just to, to add a bit, I already talked to you about some of the usability challenges and, and, and the redesign. Um, we've, we've talked about this at a really high level. And, you know, it turns out that tuning the parameters, that took a huge amount of work, right? I mean, yeah, okay, it's about counting the read heads, but like Christian said, the diversity of readers, the diversity of read heads, right, the materials that are actually, that they're made out of, um, you know, you can make a simple device that might, if you get lucky, measure some of these things, but where we were able to bring this all together and make a precision detection device, um, th that's what took two years. So we've, I mean, we've evaluated thousands, I mean, I don't think that's an exaggeration at all, but thousands of different card readers of every size and shape that we can possibly find to make sure that this thing works. And I can't imagine like the skimmers themselves are like precision designed equipment too that work all the time as well. You know, that, that's actually really surprising. I mean, some of these things you can tell are actually well engineered. They come from people who quite likely have an engineering background, who've built some embedded systems. That, you know, that level of creativity and ingenuity, it never, it never ceases to amaze us. I mean, there are real engineers building these things. Yeah, there are some that are poorly put together too, but you know, it matters that their return on investment matters, right? If you're gonna put a thousand dollars worth of equipment um, together to steal credit cards, you want it to steal as many credit cards as possible. Uh, and so um, we also found, by the way, uh, that there are websites, uh, you don't even have to go to the dark web I know that's a scary place. Um, you don't even have to go to the dark web to buy some of these things. So, uh, you know, you said that uh, you were worried we were making skimmers. We're certainly not, but there are other people out there who are selling them and you can buy them with credit cards online. I guess they're for novelty purposes or something <laughs> like that. But, you know, so if you're not a talented enough engineer and there are plenty of them out there who are doing this, you can buy the devices online from people who are. Where to buy a credit card scammer? <laughs> yep, not putting that in my Google search history. Thank you very much. It's too late for me. <laughs> so I got a question about the uh, the PCB. Um, so did you uh, w w what did you kind of go through with the design on the actual reading portion of that? Do you just have the end of it as exposed copper, or did you do like a gold coat or a hard gold, or what uh, what kind of worked best for you? So right now it's actually just exposed copper um, and it kind of, it works super well for us just as simple as that. Uh, we've, I've 
kind of played around with other ideas before too and i mean this is really just this is all it really needs uh i'm initially when i was you know acid washing the pcbs myself the copper was not holding up super great but you know now that they're actually like production grade this copper holds up fine like there's skim reapers that i have here like demo units in our lab that probably have been swiped that almost ten thousand times and the thing is still holding up perfectly like it was brand new yeah that, that was one of the things that uh when and no offense to christian he's awesome uh but you know when he was burning his hands with the soldering iron making these things uh it it was hard to get uh, devices that would work uh, over you know ten thousand swipes and again that's why we knew that we needed professional help uh, with the manufacturing in order to get that. So, um, and the devices that we've had manufactured so far seem to hold up. So back to my previous thing, I actually Googled that and like the fourth link, I got an Alibaba link that I can get <laughs> one for 350 bucks. La la la, I can't wow. hear you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, no surprise. Yeah. No surprise. That's yeah. actually relatively cheap compared to, you know, some of the, the things we've seen in, you know, some of the sketchy websites that are selling them for like 700 bucks to like a thousand dollars, depending on what you're trying to get. Some of those deep inserts are real expensive. And some of those even too are only made with like tin snips. Precision they cut though, because you know, you can tell that these people actually have the unit, but they're still doing it by hand. It's like, they even have like jagged edges on them too. Yeah, we, we have one of these uh, deep inserts here in the lab, and we always warn people before we hand it to them, like the edges are sharp. Uh, like you can, you know, you can cut yourself on the edges. But, you know, make, make no mistake that these folks who are doing this don't just roll up to a random ATM and go, I think I'm going to hit that. They, they go to the ATM, they figure out what's the make and model, what's the card reader. Okay, they go back and they go, hey, and they've got, you know, 10 different units. Uh, do we have a deep insert that fits, uh, you know, a Diebel 700 series? Okay, yes, we do. Great, it's like this, or okay, no, we have to machine it, but we know the exact layout of the internals of that card. So we can uh, we can create a custom inlay that you know, we're going to shove inside. Well, we even heard from law enforcement before, too, that a lot of these guys will actually have, like, when they finally get busted and like they go to like where they were doing all this they'll find these like full atm units where they were at that actually like you know they were using them for both precision cutting their skimmers and also training people to actually put them on as fast as possible holding classes on it that's right <laughs> you know Speed although skimming. the thing is like i bet you the guys that are buying these things are probably not really concerned about like getting the most top quality item you know as long as it functions yeah. that's all that matters there they're not going to call the the bbb and uh, report these guys on. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, that's the problem with crime right is that if you get ripped off then who do you report it to right, yeah, i mean right. at, the, at the end of the day it's too like you just steal probably just a couple credit cards you've already recouped how much you spend on that thing so yeah. i mean even if it's like then the police get it after a little bit of time you've still made your money so I went to your website and I pulled up your uh, your user manual for for the device, and uh, on page five there's a full FCC statement about testing and and having it done. So uh, can you talk about that, like what you had to go through to get something like this tested, and were they kind of like, what is this? <laughs> Surprisingly enough, there were no questions asked with that. I I was really concerned too. We had sent it just to a small FCC testing facility in Pennsylvania. And, you know, they were super, like, great with, like, being in contact with us. And, you know, we just sent it to them. And a week later, they just sent us all the documentation for it. It was, I couldn't believe that they didn't say anything. I want to guess if you were going through legal, legit channels, then they assume your device is legal and legit, has legal and legit purposes. It's funny (laughs) because... I, I would think that too, but this is just a totally, this is a similar story, but when we were even testing this with the NYPD, we were going around to different banks and trying out like our, our prototype, right? And we were with a cop too. The thing is though, you know, this is his kind of, this is his main job is to look for skimmers and he doesn't want to be like showing off that he's a cop. So he goes around in civilian clothes, but still carries a badge. We went to this one bank in New York and we were trying out the skim reaper and one of like the manager there just comes out and is like, what are you guys doing? And he shows his badge and says like, you know, we're testing this thing. It's a new thing that the NYPD is going to be trying to try to find skimmers. She didn't believe him. 
She didn't. <laughs> she thought we were actually like trying to like mess with the ATM, and he had to give her his badge number, and she called the precinct to verify that he was supposed to be there and who he was. So. Even going through the legal channels don't always work sometimes. Well, they're just doing their job. If someone came oh, yeah. up to me and I would have done the same thing. Oh, yeah. I was fine with it. I I actually appreciated it because it showed that she can, was concerned enough to be asking the right questions. But I just it, I think it's funny that even if we're going through the legal channels, that it's still concerning that, you know, when you see someone going up to your ATM machine and starting to, to mess with it, when you see something that looks like a skimmer, even though it's not. <laughs> Yeah, the funny thing, by the way, about that story, too, is that was the sixth bank we visited that day, and the manager just happened to be up front. Uh, nobody else, not a customer, not an employee, nobody else even uh, you know, stopped us or looked at us funny anywhere else we went. Um, and that's the thing, by the way. You know, these things could be installed so quickly. Uh, you know, we tell people, you know, look out for something suspicious. Uh, if you see any of the videos that we, you know, we, we show, uh, something suspicious is did they touch the ATM, right? Like that's because yeah, for an overlay in particular, you just walk up and you go and stick it right on, and that's it. Uh, yeah. So there's nothing. And, to see. and we've all seen the quality of CCTV, yeah, footage. So it's like you, it would look like the person is using the ATM exactly. And they, you know, they know they roll up and they've got the hat pulled down, sunglasses on, the hoodie sometimes, right? Keeping their head down. It, they've been to these places before. Again, it's not nobody uh, goes to a random bank and goes, "I think I'll put a skimmer in here now." Right? They've they've done some recon and right? they figure out, okay, yeah, this is a this is a place and these are the units. I have a, an overlay that's going to fit these exactly, uh, so that when they come back and, and do it, you know, it's it's in and out in no time. All right, so I want to go back to uh, what every almost three years ago now. In 2017, we had the article that came out about uh, y'all starting out. So since then, how have y'all grown your business? Like your your strategy in that? Because there was a there was a uh, article that came out in Houston about your product recently, and like how how are y'all growing that from? Being two guys at at uh, a university to this almost like nationwide company now. Yeah. So, um, just want to note that we started selling officially in August of 2019, um, and since that time, we're actually now deployed. Uh, we, so we have customers in 19 different states. Uh, so it's happening pretty quickly. And I have to say, the the biggest uh, thing we have going for us is that it turns out people hate getting skimmed. Um, and so we have uh, great, great partners in law enforcement who, you know, often by word of mouth are telling each other, hey, you know, if you need a tool to do this, it's got to be the Skim Reaper. And, and so we're having law enforcement reach out to us. And the great thing is when law enforcement is doing something like this that's proactive, um, then they're, they're talking to local media. So we've had stories in Houston and Tampa, in New York, um, in Miami recently as well. Uh, and many, many more cities uh, where, again, uh, law enforcement is is taking the first big step. But ultimately, you know, we think that the responsibility here is on vendors. Uh, it's on retailers because right, law enforcement can't be everywhere at all times. And so we hope that you know that that retailers are seeing these um, these efforts by police and saying, you know, I have to put locks on my doors. I also have to make sure it's safe inside you know my store walls i need this tool i can't hope that law enforcement's going to come by you know twice a shift and make sure i don't have any skimmers i mean just it's just not going to work so ultimately you know we're we're hoping that uh, these media interactions that we have uh, inspire vendors to, to to take things a step further and we actually have one customer who uh you know, if you have an alarm system, one of the strategies is you put the sticker for the alarm system on your window or a little sign outside. And one of our customers is puts uh, our Skim Reaper stickers on the window. It basically says, "Hey, look, don't skim here, uh, because we're gonna we're gonna catch you. You're gonna lose your device. You might get arrested. Take it down the street." And so our hope is that more vendors, you know, more retailers say, "Hey, we're we're part of that club. We're looking, and you're not gonna get anything from our uh, from our, our premises." 
protected by the Skim Reaper. That's right. <laughs> you know, uh, are, are there any legal ramifications of getting skimmed at a store? In other words, like, you know, say I shop at S-Mart and I get skimmed at S-Mart. Is there, are they liable for that, S-Mart? Yeah, so this is a, a challenging question. and uh, it, 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 The answer is it's a huge depends, right? So... Uh, it depends if you're talking about a credit card or a debit card. Uh, oftentimes, the banks push back onto the vendor, um, and they, you know, they take the the loss. Sometimes it's hard to trace back to where the skimming occurred, and so, um, you know, if the if the folks who are doing this use it as a direct cash out at the ATM, so they they skim your card at SMART, but then they go down the street, you know, to Globo Bank. Uh, and hit their ATM, then you know Global Bank is going to be out the sixty thousand dollars, which the average ATM holds. So, um, but you know here in Florida, there in Houston, one of the big problems is um, is actually skimming at, at fuel pumps. Um, they often use that uh, that skimming to then go back to the gas station and steal things like diesel. And so when they take that diesel and they'll sell the diesel at either construction sites or often um, we've learned from law enforcement. We'll take the diesel and ship it across the Straits of Florida to places like Cuba or Venezuela, um, where you know access to fuel, uh, uh, you know, is certainly more difficult, and they'll make a lot of money doing that. So, if you're also if you're a store and you're also out uh, a product, whether it's diesel or you know something there, yeah, that's on you. Uh, if it's an ATM, the bank's going to take the hit, and ultimately we're all going to take that hit in the, in the interest rates that we pay. But you know, even at a higher level, the thing we want to, to reinforce is a lot of companies have insurance for this kind of thing. But that said, it's about damage to the brand too. Right? We again, we all know that place where we got skimmed, and we just won't go back there. So, you know, if you're willing to sacrifice all future sales to a portion of your clientele, then you know, sure, let it happen, I guess. Um, but we don't think most people want to do that. Another question I have is, this is kind of closing comments, I guess, is so if someone buys your device, the Skim Reaper, and they detect the skimmer, what do they do? That's a great question. Do they just rip their shirt off and it's it's their Batman outfit now and they <laughs> go, yeah. I mean, we haven't heard of any customers doing that. They go punch that. the machine. <laughs> That's right. You know, it really depends because there's not necessarily a duty to report in every state. Um, when we work with law enforcement, uh, you know, one of the things that they like to do is show the public, hey, we found this and we're out there and we're protecting you. But, you know, banks don't necessarily want to say, yes, we had a skimmer and it's a problem. Uh, so, you know, what you do is going to be uh, essentially based on your corporate or your, your entity's policy. Um, at the very, the very least, you know, shut down the unit, figure out how to get that thing out of there and then figure out. You know, can we then work with law enforcement? Which, by the way, we strongly encourage because it turns out if you're getting ripped off, I walked around a mall recently just checking you know, who was using a specific brand and style of, of payment terminal. And it turns out that 80% of the stores that we walked into were using the exact same terminal. If you're getting ripped off, so is everybody down the line or they're about to. So working with law enforcement when you can to you know, put out a warning to have the tools like the Skim Reaper in place so that you know as soon as possible, that's how ultimately you make this an unprofitable game. So I, I was coming more from the uh, vigilante style, like like someone who's who's basically buying one of these to pop into the machine before they put their card in to make <laughs> sure that they're not get, going to get uh, skimmed, so to speak. Um, I guess you, what you would do at that point is call your local police non-emergency number i guess yep exactly yeah call even just like telling the the actual like place itself too is they is probably good because then you know they probably have some policy in place and they can do something about it you know they could potentially just like you know send someone out there to go rip it out or something like that i don't think they'd appreciate you know someone trying to go in there themselves and rip it out but you know, <laughs> yeah, but we our, our official statement. You know, we, we strongly recommend if, for example, you have one of these devices for personal use and you find something, get law enforcement involved. Uh, you know, again, they they or someone at the state level likely has a lab, um, and when they go and try and make convictions, sometimes they can tie multiple of these uh, incidents together. All right, you use the same hardware, your your fingerprints are on multiple devices. Um, that's ultimately you know a big part of how you solve the problem is. 
you make it such that catching these folks is uh, doable. You know, I, I could see th- this is probably way more complex than uh, is necessary, but I could see a bit of a uh, like if you had an app on your phone that you that if you do detect it, the device could talk to your phone and get a location and pin that and say, here it is. And the only way you could access that is if the uh, the Reaper says, hey, yeah, this is a target. What's funny is we actually played around with a, a similar concept originally when we were going through kind of different prototypes. And one of the Skim Reaper prototypes actually was just a, it was a huge box because, you know, I had put all these extra features in there that were totally unnecessary in the grand scheme of things. But at one point it did have a GPS module in there. So it knew exactly <laughs> where it was. You know, it had an SD card cause it was like storing all of its read data and everything. Yeah. It's funny that we, so one of the amazing lessons we learned from some of our customers was that, um, so if you do, if you sell software, for example, you know, an integration with any non-trivial company is going to take you months right? Because whatever their stack is, it's complex. Uh, and so basically people said, like, if you try to give us an app, it's going to take six to nine months to get approved. We want a thing that stands alone um, so that we can decide, like, we don't even want you to know unless we tell you that we've had a hit. Um, and so that became our, our MVP or minimally viable product. And we were, we're working on a version that, yep, we can do audit logs and provide all that stuff. But again, the demand was high. You know, people wanted, um, at least the ability to know locally if they had a problem. But yeah, you're, you're certainly thinking the way we were thinking first and the customers pushed us back the other way and said, just give us a thing that's completely standalone. There's no integration uh, and do it fast. Sounds like a kiss, right? Keep it yeah. simple, stupid. Exactly. Yep. That's it. That's what the NYPD told us a couple times when we had it. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Do you, do you have anything else, Steven? No, I think I'm good. All right, so we're going to sign out this podcast. So, Christian, if you want to do that for us. Actually, oh, wait, right. right before we do that, where can people find out more about you guys? Yeah, so we uh, we have a web presence, of course. Uh, you can find us at www.skimreaper.com. Uh, and, of course, you can Google us and, and see lots of our, our media coverage as well. Uh, look for us on Twitter. We're Skim Reaper. And I would like to thank you all again for coming on the podcast. This is a lot of fun. Hey, it's our pleasure. Thanks so much. Yeah. That was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your guests, Patrick Trainer and Christian Peters. And we were your hosts, Parker Doman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy.